0: Hello and welcome back to the PH Nutrition Podcast, or welcome if it's your first time actually that you listen to it, you might not be back. My name's Liam, I'm the owner of PH Nutrition and I am delighted to be joined by one of our coaches and resident podcast host, Luke Hall. How are you doing on this wonderful Thursday morning, buddy?
1: I'm doing good, thanks Liam, yeah, 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 I'm feeling a little bit beaten up uh, from some training yeah. that we've been doing recently, but apart from that, all good
0: good are you training for anything luke or you got anything in the pipeline or is it just general
1: getting just general getting i've started a little bit of gymnastics as well which is what i'm feeling beaten up for so i've started doing oh, tumbling crap. classes and my ankles my knees my hips are just not used to the impact so that's why i'm feeling a little bit beaten up right. but it's that adaptive phase right well that will get used to it
0: you you've been doing a, you've been doing a bit of gymnastics you got a backflip recently haven't you have you got yes. the an hour
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. Not, not in Very good. out in the wild world, just on a tumble track in the, in the gym. But yeah, Still, hopefully uh, yeah. soon backflips in the wild world. That's the, that's the goal.
0: Wonderful stuff. Right. So we're going to dive into uh, the listener Q&A that we put out on uh, social media the other day. And um, we've got seven questions and we're going to rattle through. The first kind of section of this is going to be on supplementation. A few people asking about it. So we're going to dive right into the first question that come from Alison Weber. And this was just benefits of creatine. It's something that you know we you don't want to kind of keep feel like we're repeating ourselves a little bit on with, with regard to creatine. So we're just trying to kind of keep it succinct in that if you are training regularly, doing any form of kind of exercise, then creatine is going to be of benefit. It helps with power output. It helps with an energy source. It can help with being an antioxidant. It can help with recovery. It can help with cognitive function. It's a really well researched, well rounded, pretty solid supplement that you should be taking most days now maybe alison's asking because she's a female and a lot of females are maybe hesitant around taking creatine so i would highly advise you to be um, anyone that is female um, that is listening to this is to google creatine supplementation in women's health a lifespan perspective we will put it in on the show notes as a link it is in the one of the most wonderful research papers that you that has been written by abby smith ryan She's got she some great stuff. It's just outlines all of the benefits of creating for women. For women, what we want to say is this isn't a feat, a male owned supplement, and a lot of the benefits are you know across you know both genders. But this is a really good one for specifically for women. So I would highly advise anyone to be if, if they're on the border or you know, I'm not sure if I should take it. Just go and read this. In short, Addison, yes, you should be taking it. And you don't need to cycle it. You should just be taking it regularly because uh, it, it, it's going to be it's going to benefit so many things from an energy, from a recovery, and from a strength progression perspective. Cool. So going on to the next similar vein, Jordan, uh, Jordan X Burns, X M Burns. Um, if you miss a day of creatine or beta alanine, how does this impact its effectiveness? Good question, actually, Luke. Um, Jordan. So, Luke, you want to give us some insight on this?
1: Yeah, it's one of those where one day, if you just miss one day, it's it's not going to have a huge impact because the benefits from creatine and the benefits from beta alanine really come from prolonged periods of taking it. So we know that kind of you're saturating your creatine stores after about 30 days of taking it, uh, the yeah. washout period. So when kind of those stores start to desaturate over time uh, for creatine is kind of between two to four weeks. Um, yeah. so it's one of those where you miss one day. It's not going to be the end of the world and um, you can just jump back on it again the next day for sure. With beta alanine, it's an even longer washout time as well because yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. what beta alanine does is it actually increases the amount of something called carnosine within our muscle. And there was one study that actually said that the washout was like 12 to 15 weeks, I think, off which, the top yeah, of my head yeah, for yeah. the it's carnosine levels, yeah. which is much, much longer. So um, missing one day of those things, it's not the end of the world. Uh, the kind of most common thing that I see in terms of Cycling in quote unquote, yeah, in air quotes, there is when people are going like a holiday, maybe and miss a week, that sort of thing. Yeah, if you feel that, hey, maybe I'll do a little kind of mini loading phase when you come back. Then happy days, that could also work. I would say that it's only worth doing if you've maybe got um something coming up quite soon after that kind of week period or two week period, however long it is that you're not yeah. necessarily doing it um, and yeah. to use it. But one day miss a day, that's so so fine. Just jump back on it the next day as normal no need i would say to add more in that next day to kind of compensate and because the washout period for these is longer yeah i think that's
0: really good practical advice there like i say the beta alanine is something we don't advise people to kind of cycle creatine really it's something that like i say naturally across the year you're going to have times where you don't take it whether i say it's holiday whether it's like you know christmas or whether you're Get renovations on your house and you're staying and everything's everywhere in boxes, whatever. Like it's these little times that you won't do it. But beta alanine is like something that you probably can cycle, yeah. you know, during hop training periods, during time of the year, mainly because the washout period is so long. I would say like the washout period, like Luke said, is 12 to 15 weeks. So you probably want to keep about eight weeks between your cycles rather than letting it go all the way down the baseline and then kind of coming back up. So you could cycle it on, like you say, two, six weeks to two weeks, two months on, two months off, you know, and mainly save your money, like saving your money <laughs> and spending <it, laughs> paying for those supplementation, but you're still going to rig the walls. So also if you're someone like me, I suffer from the tingling and paresthesia and sometimes nausea if I take lots of lots of it. So if I ever do take it, I don't want to take it consistently. Like it's not something I enjoy taking. But I do really feel the benefits of it, so I would cycle off with it. So, Jordan, hope that helps, buddy. The next one here we had was Anna, who's a regular contributor. Thank you, Anna. Joint supplements are they effective on average? Now, I think we covered. I try and look back over the previous episodes. There, Licky. I think we've covered joint supplements in Q and As before. I, I couldn't specifically find exactly what episode, but so I wanted to try and give people a little bit of a definitive kind of answer in that the most common ones that we often see are chondroitin and glucosamine. People take these and, you know, I've got, joint, I've got, I'm getting older or I've had an injury or I've got sore joints for whatever reason, exercise induced soreness or kind of osteoarthritis kind of style symptoms. Glucosamine and chondroitin are the two common ones. Now they have been shown to be a a benefit, small benefit, um, but when taken consistently, I mean, this is over like kind of a two month period. Um chondroitin by itself doesn't seem to be a, um, showing of any benefits, but normally they're paired together and there is a small amount of benefit. But you have to con- continually, continually take it. And we know that people with people with terrible are taking supplement continuously. So it's something if you can commit to, you probably will benefit from it. If it's more kind of osteoarthritic, kind of like a degenerative kind of joint pain that you're feeling. When it's kind of more... You know, exercise-induced or whether it's just you know you haven't really kind of you know, maybe you've had an injury and you've got a bit of joint pain or stiffness just in general then there are a few things that maybe have shown some real benefit and that's curcumin so not just adding turmeric to your foods but actually taking a curcumin extract some really really solid studies coming out of the benefits of that in terms of lowering osteo- osteoarthritic symptoms helping to reduce exercise-induced joint pain and um, the other one is boswellia which is like a, a kind of an adaptogenic compound, um, and again, there's some some really recent studies on this to shown a real kind of say benefit reducing this kind of like soreness. And you know these these kind of studies are, you know, been taking over like a month period, you know, like month to six weeks, to, you know, two months. So not long extended periods of time. You're getting quite kind of a you know quick benefits of this. Glucosamine is there and collagen is probably the other one that me, pe- pe- people might be taking. And there is a small amount of benefit for it, but it's not this magic thing where you're taking collagen powder and, and everything's kind of fixed. It does help, but it's more about kind of lowering that overall inflammation. And that's where it seems to be like curcumin and boswellia and then kind of using uh, glucosamine and chondroitin do help. I would suggest that if you've got joint pain, then you need to look. So they're the kind of big four that I would say to start with. There is lots of others um, that are showing benefit, but there really isn't any kind of like concrete evidence. So potentially start with those, but then you've got to look at like your overall dietary intake and training load. And we've got a question on overtraining later on, but if you've got joint pain, is it that you're just putting too much, too much load through the body? Excuse me you know, like hybrid training is, is very popular at the moment with lots of long runs, ultra endurance, doing these mad, you know, like uh, events. Is it that you need to be doing less kind of impact work? Is it need you need to lower your overall well improve, sorry, improve your overall diet to kind of lower inflammation systemically? It's not just about kind of just like going strength to supplementation. Now, if everything else in line, I know Anna, you're very kind of dialed in with your nutrition. So you might benefit, you might see a benefit of adding these in, but I would go curcumin, boswellia, and then go glucosamine and chondroitin. And like I say, they're the ones that have got a bit, a bit of efficacy behind them to, to to help with joint pain. So yeah, I hope that kind of helps and, and gives a little bit of an overview. Anything to add on that,
1: Lukey? No, I think that's pretty good. I think there's obviously a lot of stuff that you can also do to, to just help with joint health. Yeah you've already touched upon a couple uh, including curcumin and stuff like that i think omegas uh, there's still a decent amount of evidence yep. behind them as well but they're not necessarily going to deal with acute joint pain They're one's for just yeah. chronic joint health they're going to improve for sure
0: yeah and like i said it's something that you, you need to step back you know are you stretching are you mobilizing like i've got knee pain but it's <laughs> my mobility consistency in my mobility is very, very poor. So I know that like me just adding, oh, I've got joint pain. Oh, bad. The supplementing is probably not really going to move the needle at all. So probably helps. Last one on on supplementation, Mr. Luke call. Cool. Tommy Kirk 90, Tercasterone. Is it good?
1: Cool. This one uh, should be quite a, a quick and easy one. Um, so terchesterone, for those of you that don't know, is uh, what's called an ECD steroid. So an ECD steroid. It's essentially something that's got a similar structure to steroids that's found in kind of plant and insects. It's plant and insect growth hormone, essentially. This is kind of why it receives a little bit of kind of merit. Not I don't want to say merit because there is no merit to it, but a little bit of... There you go. There, there go we to go, Tommy, he's answered it. <laughs> it receives a little bit of attention because, in theory, people are thinking, well, if it's a growth hormone for plants and, and insects, yeah. then maybe it'll be a growth hormone for humans. Uh, and in reality, the, the evidence base is pretty small, realistically, for and There's not a huge amount of research out there. Um, there was kind of one key one that that I noticed, which basically looked at different kinds of ectosteroids, so not testosterone in particular, in yeah. resistant strain individuals. And basically, the takeaway from that study was there's No significant difference in a bench press one or at max after a load of thing. No significant difference in any performance markers. And also, which is probably kind of more key, um, there was no significant difference in biomarkers of testosterone or cortisol or anything like that. So at the minute, it's looking like nothing. Um, Obviously, it's one of those where there's... Just because there's not been enough studies, almost you shouldn't. I mean, it's. Weird. I wouldn't. I wouldn't take it. I wouldn't pay money to take it. I don't think it's worth it at all. The studies are not that promising, if at all. And but obviously, you never know with these kind of things. If it's a case of more dose or anything like that. And um, but we yeah. do have a relatively solid idea at this point in time of it's. It's not worth spending your money on.
0: No, you make a really good point there. And, and Tommy, what I would want to question is the reason that you're taking it. Like, what's the reason you're, you're trying, you know, you're asking about this? Is it that you feel fatigued? Is it that you're not seeing progress in your training, not seeing muscle growth at the rate that you potentially want to? Um, is it that you've got blood work done and seen that you have low testosterone? Um, because that's why I say that's normally the, the net or the preceding step to someone going, why should, should I take testosterone?". So I would just question, like, what's the, the motive behind asking about this? If it is testosterone levels that are low, like there's lots of other factors, like the kind of big rocks that we can do, and, you know, vitamin D supplementation, you know, looking at doing the right type of training. Are you doing too much, like, you know, doing strength training, but making sure you're recovering enough and not, you know, having consistently high levels of cortisol, having that kind of nice balance of training and recovery. Are you eating enough overall? Like genuinely, are you eating enough calories? Are you eating enough protein? Are you eating enough fat, carbs? Like you've got to be looking at these big rocks as opposed to kind of being like, oh, well, I'm just going to supplement with testosterone because I feel these symptoms or I'm not seeing progress. So at the moment, it's very early stages with it. Like I said, well, we'll keep an eye on it because, you know, they're, they're bound to be more research on it. But at the moment, like you say, I think there's a lot better things you could spend your money on in the supplement world, but also quality food, good programming, coaching, etc. cetera. Cool. Next one we have is Lisa underscore healthy life. Lisa underscore healthy underscore life. Should the way I train change now I am 50 and perimenopausal? She strength trains four days and runs once a week. Now, Lisa, firstly, I think your setup in terms of your training is very good. Now, often people would be doing a lot of cardio and potentially not that much strength training, you know, and I think that you're doing that. It is very good. We want to be trying to do some form of strength training. Regardless of the gender, when we get older, we want to keep the resistance training, increasing overall muscle mass. It's, it's it's harder to maintain muscle mass as we get older through sarcopenia. We, we need to make sure that we try to do some strength training, and even more so with females because it helps with bone mineral density. So doing some form of resistance training is superb. Okay? I don't think... The problem is, is that there's context specific here. I don't know what you're doing in your strength training sessions, and I don't know how long you're running for when you do your run. So I would suggest that you're not too far off the mark, first of all, and I would just continue this. What I would suggest that you do is ensuring that you're having adequate... Rest in between those sessions. You are seeing progressive overload in your training, and that you are doing, you are doing compound lifts. In that, that's what I would say: deadlifts, carries, like you know, like this, you know, squatting potentially if mobility and and you know and everything else allows. But doing kind of compound lifts as opposed to going in and strength training and doing kind of just lots of isolation stuff, like that would be the big rocks for me. Obviously, we are not. Uh, coaches here we're not trainers so you know this is this is only going to be kind of top level advice because i don't know the context but i would say no i don't think you need to change the way you train you need to listen to your body probably a little bit more you know when you're perimenopausal because things are going to be a little bit of a roller coaster you are going to experience different symptoms to when you weren't perimenopausal i would suggest that you probably maintain a very similar structure i think you're on the right track and luke anything on that
1: no, I think definitely, I think um, the, the key point that you said there about resistance training as well is super, super key um, and obviously only 53, that's that's not super old and it's one of those where keeping resistance training in even as you get older and older and older is yeah. definitely, definitely key. I remember it's probably not relevant because its it was a study done in, in uh, significantly older people sort of in their 70s, 80s sort of thing and, but beyond McSwiney I think a while back did a study looking at resistance training and and. Injury risk, and it's one of those where just a little. And when we're talking resistance training in uh, older people, it's not necessarily them hitting the squat rack or stuff like that, it's more kind of like body weight resistance and that kind of stuff. Mm. So, the fact that still doing some even now and doing as much as you can for as late as you can, I think you're onto a winner for sure.
0: Yeah, I really love stuff like carries when mm-hmm. like for, for people like this, like because you haven't got like you know, like farmers' carries, front rack carries. You know, stuff that you haven't kind of got to take through a movement, through a range of movement as such, but you're really putting stress on the whole body, on the core, on the glutes, posterior chain. You know, I, I really, really like that. I think that's really beneficial for as we get a bit older. And it means that I think you can often train more regularly as well without kind of impacting kind of the eccentric load and joint pain and everything else. Cool. Last couple and both from Natalie Lissis, Miss three S's on the end, underscore. What do what to do when you have a severe injury and can't train for weeks? Luki, hit me with some some tips on this. Yeah,
1: so from a nutrition point of view, um, obviously the big one to start off with is energy expenditure will have dropped so energy intake needs to drop as well so you probably need to bring your intake down to match kind of training volume, and and it's most likely that that is going to come from carbohydrates just because there's some kind of key things that you want to do from nutrition point of view to improve recovery from that injury as best as possible and some of the big ones there are taking protein up maybe even higher than it was before when you were resistance training and so i know kind of when people are resistance training, they tend to be aiming for sort of two grams of protein per kilo body weight. It's a good sort of target to go for. Um, when you're recovering from an injury and that kind of repair phase, taking that up to even sort of 2.5 grams per kilo of body weight, taking your protein up to those levels could be a very useful thing to do. For a number of reasons, uh, obviously to support that recovery can also help with if you're eating a little bit less, your hunger might be a little bit more. And mm. protein, we know, is, is the most kind of satiating uh, macronutrient out there as well. So that's a really nice, easy one. You're also wanting to be getting a lot of kind of anti-inflammatories in and some good fats. I hate calling them good fats because food is food. It's not good or bad, but healthier sort of. Smart fats. fats. Smart, Smart fats is a better way. You're what we sort, call it. Smart fats. unsaturated fats. <laughs> um, so looking at, obviously, increasing omegas, which we talked about, getting some stuff in from oily fish. And looking at, you know, avocados, nuts, that kind of stuff can massively help and you're still going to want to be focusing on getting some colorful foods in to help basically just nourish your body so i think that they're kind of the main things doing the basics right in terms of hitting Mm -hmm. protein a little bit higher getting good quality food in to keep inflammation down and making sure that you're staying super well hydrated as well is always key and that's something that i think people kind of tend to forget a little when they're injured because they're not training they're not losing as much fluid, so they're less kind of Switched on with regards to hydration, and but we know staying hydrated is going to be key in helping that recovery. But I think yeah, just making sure that intake matches training volume, and obviously in this case the training volume is none, and so probably taking carbs down to match that for sure.
0: Yeah, I, I think that's really sensible from a from a from a training perspective. We always uh, in the football clubs would be saying like, what can they do? tell me what I can do. Tell, don't tell me what I can't do. So if it's an ankle injury, knee injury, lower, lower limb injury, can you, do, you know I mean? do some upper bodies, you know, and and obviously making those safe, you know, if you're, if you're in a boot or anything else, uh, if it's an upper body injury, if it's shoulder, if it's elbow, whatever, you know, can you go to the gym and sit on a, you know, mach- using machines, like you use the machines that are more safer, like, you know, get on the squat rack, but can you sit on a leg press? Can you sit on the, you know, kind of do a little circuit there? You know, keeping yourself safe, keeping yourself moving. Obviously, don't know what the injury is. So if it's back and stuff like this, then that makes it a little bit more kind of restrictive. But there might be some things that you can do. And this comes down to even just moving, general walking and stuff like this. Again, don't know the injury, but it, it is trying to figure out, you know, what you can do and this goes out throughout the rehab as well in your rehabilitation like if you can do something even if it's just mentally it will really really help gets that blood flowing you know in release some endorphins and trying to do that will really help you know the, the quality of your recovery but Luke's now the, the nutrition for the for recovery there so hopefully that's some some very very useful useful tips cool last question uh, again from from Natalie there How to recover from overtraining, not just how to prevent it. Now, Natalie, I hope that you didn't get injured from doing too much training, Um, but she said, there's no tips anywhere to how to how to recover from overtraining. So what we wanted to try to do, like define overtraining as well. Like there's, we, we kind of categorize it in between kind of three different things, like, you know, performance issues, physiological symptoms, you know, and then kind of kind of psychological symptoms. So. Performance stuff, you've got like early onset fatigue, you know, elevated heart rate, doing really simple stuff, decreased strength, low power output, not seeing, you know, like not being able to hit their percentages, even lack of coordination, stuff like this, you know, recovery, but then you've got like physiological symptoms, such as like consistent muscle soreness, potentially loss of appetite, weight loss. If you're female, disrupted menstrual cycle, um, difficulty sleeping and kind of something like a bit of, of, uh, you know, fidgeting and, you know, or frequent illness. Like these are the types of things that performance and physiological, then you've got psychological stuff where you're just like lacking any form of motivation to train or, you know, that can bleed into life. Like you've got no, you know, you've got no like drive to do anything. You've got no, you know, inclination to kind of like be social and, you know, interact with people. (laughs) You know, that type of thing is where you want to, you want to kind of step back and think, okay, is it purely training related or is it actually maybe wider than, than just kind of exercise related? And actually that kind of bled into, into that. Now that this, for me, there, there's a lot of kind of, you know, nuance around this to recover from it. What I would suggest that we need to do is you need, you need to look at kind of the balance of your intake and output. That would be the first thing that I would suggest. And Luke, we, we can kind of go back and forth on this, but my thoughts are whatever you're doing, you want to try to come back to maintenance in terms of your intake. And have a bit more balance as opposed to potentially being in like an aggressive deficit, uh, you know, or a a huge surplus, which is putting kind of stress on your digestive system and stress on elsewhere, prepping all your food and everything else. If you can kind of come back close to maintenance, definitely not into a deficit. Um, So whether that's just above, I think what this does is allows the body to kind of eating enough to be able to function for the amount that it's doing, but you've got to match your output. Okay. If you're still going to train. Then doing something that isn't kind of making it really difficult to match and get to that maintenance. So you're not going to be going on like four hour runs and, you know, doing double sessions and everything else. Like you've got to lower your output, potentially increase your intake or balance that out. I think for me, that probably be the big, big thing first. This is where I would suggest that people get a little bit more detail with their nutrition, you know, potentially track, get some numbers, work with a coach, going to be like, right, can I dial it in and be more consistent with it as opposed to just, being random and being like eyeballing stuff i would probably throw a bit of bit of effort in terms of getting some data on that i think overtraining can come from two things you can come from like you said under eating for the level that you're doing causing too much stress on the body causing persistent elevated cortisol levels in impacting you know just an imbalance or that you're just literally doing too much training for the amount that they say that, that your body can handle so you know, maybe you're training age isn't there you you know you're you're not robust enough at the moment you haven't gone through that progressive overload and you're just trying to jump ahead and and do too much too soon so i would suggest that what you need to do is from an nutrition perspective it is do that um, first of all then i would look at sleep and stress management i think the two s's would be the big ones i would kind of dive into and when we talk about sleep we've got a lot of podcasts on sleep so i would definitely kind of search through our archives on that we did one on like episode two, I think. Um, but we have not we've covered lots of stuff on it and it's very easy for people to just say sleep more, but you've got to really improve the quality, you know, like looking at your sleep environment. Are you waking up regularly through the night? What are you doing pre-bed? You know, are you stimulating yourself? Are you drinking caffeine too late? Are you watching stuff right up until bedtime? You really got to try and improve the quality of the sleep because that's going to help you to recover your body to regenerate. And then stress management if you lower your intake in terms, sorry, if you lower your output in terms of training, that's going to help reduce stress flow from a physiological perspective uh, and a physical perspective. But you got to be looking at what what in your life is causing that stress. And again, there's, that's a huge, huge podcast, huge, huge topic that we want to go into. But for me, it would be like kind of intake and then sleep and stress. If, if you can fix those in those, or that order, I would say that you would be making a real dent in terms of Fixing overtraining. What's your what's your take on this, buddy?
1: Yeah, no, I totally agree. I think overtraining is one of those things that I used to. I've kind of changed my mind on it a little bit, but I used to when I was young and naive. say there's no such thing as overtraining. There's only underfueling and underrecovering and that kind of thing. And it's kind of just like yeah two sides of the same coin really isn't it because yeah a lot of people fall into the trap of comparing themselves to these kind of top level athletes that are training for however many hours a day and and then taking out the context of the amount of recovery that they're also doing and the amount of focus that goes into that as well recovering hard as well as training hard sort of thing and so i think it is a tough tough thing to find kind of balance but i think yeah you've you've summed up the, the main things really well yeah
0: and Natalie, but, you know, if you've gone down that, we've got a post on, we've got a post on this in terms of like the bell curve where you got like, um, you go up and then you get this like slight progressive overload. If you get over the bell curve, you know, where we're kind of overreaching, you know, and, and that's what we want a few times. We want to be overreaching. We want to be stressing the body. But when then you get in down the end of the bell curve, it's really challenging to get back up. So like you say, focus on those big rocks. The reason that you're probably getting it, like I said, there, there might be like too much of the stress hormone. So you've got to be thinking like, what can I do to lower that? That's probably the biggest thing. And then I would be patient with, with this. And, you know, if you feel, if you're feeling like this, then I'd probably, it's probably not going to be fixed in a week. It's probably going to be, you know, multiple weeks, a couple of months. It doesn't mean that you have to do nothing. Okay. This, this is the key thing, like form of training. But what I would do in terms of training, perspective training thing is lower the volume, lower the intensity, but do something that you enjoy, not that you think you should be doing, because you're going to get more enjoyment out of that. It's going to cause you less stress. And I'm always about impact. I think sometimes, you know, it's like we, we do these Metcons, we do these like running long distances we're you know, beating our bodies up. And actually, if you can do something that is maybe a little bit lower and slower or unloaded or putting less stress on the you know joints and, and the body. I think that kind of helps as well supplementation wise um to finish on this is where i really love adaptogens so looking at ashwagandha rhodiolo potentially even boswellia to help with that kind of like soreness i i really really like kind of an adaptogenic blend if you would search kind of you know adaptogen complexes that there, there's a kind of few that you can uh, you can take a look at but i really i really really like um this we Use a company called Zag, Z-A-A-G. They have a shot, gel shot. This has a blend of different adaptogens in and nootropics. And it's really, really, it's shown some really, really solid evidence in terms of increasing heart rate variability. So if you are someone that tracks that, I would definitely, you know, look into, to go into, uh, you know, look at tracking that and potentially doing these interventions. But if you wanted a supplement, Kind of all in one i would definitely check out a zag and start to supplement that we've found it to be really beneficial for a lot of people who have experienced some of these symptoms that i kind of alluded to at the start of the question so mm-hmm. adaptions for me help your body to adapt to stress uh, and bring you back to homeostasis and yeah we've had some very 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 good feedback uh, so that's where i would put my put, put your supplementation kind of towards cool i think that's it lukey some really good ones today uh, a, little, a little bit supplement, supplement focused but i think it was really really good hopefully you guys found it to be uh, of benefit and um, we run these kind of once every three weeks around 133 weeks a month but in the meantime if there's anything that you want us to cover question wise then like say just drop us a, a message on instagram it's best place to best place, best place to answer a question or just drop us an email on the website thank you so much for listening and lukey thank you so much for for joining me today and answering those. And we will catch you on the next episode of the PhD Nutrition Pod.
1: Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quinn's.